discussion of NBA contracts, got to talk to the renaissance man himself, Jim McElvain. Now, I'm terrible with uh, jerseys and terrible with numbers. Uh, Mac and Hall of Famer, I think you guys both wore 34, right? Yes, sir. We did, and so did Travis Diener extending the streak of Marquette players to get to the NBA wearing that number. Yeah, but he changed to another number at some point. He wore two numbers, didn't he? Didn't he wear something? I think he had a different number early on and then went to 34. Okay, yeah. So can they retire a jersey and in doing so honor a couple people? Like they retire 34, the number, and then they put Tony's name on it, your name on it, and Travis Diener's on it. What do you think? I don't think it's necessary, but don't, don't Doc Rivers and Bo have the same number? Yes, and they both retired them. There are two different 13s retired. They're not going to retire three different 31s. 31s. 31s, excuse me, yes. I was cl- well, there's your answer. There's your answer. Tell them, I, was hoping, I was hoping things had moved forward. Um, all right, let's start first with the fact that you are my medical expert for tall guys. I believe I'm accurate. So you can tell me, because Tony likes to see if everything I say is made up or not, that you said when Greg Oden was available, not only don't take him first, don't draft him. His body will not survive in the NBA. Isn't that what you told me? Or it is. What did you think of his body, Tony? Oden? Uh, yeah. I, mean, I just knew he was, you know, he's a big guy. He's like Rick Smith with the with the foot problems. It's, very, yeah, it's a red flag He looked pigeon-toed to me, and he looked heavy at a young age. And that just, it didn't, the body type didn't look like it was going to hold up to the the abuse. Yeah. And at the same time, Hall of Famer, there's a guy playing for Pittsburgh. I can't remember. The first year, he was horrible. I was a better basketball player than he was, but he was incredibly tall, athletic, had brothers and sisters that were Olympians. Who was that guy? He's still playing in the NBA. It's the guy that plays for Oklahoma State, right? Steve Adams? Is that who it is? Yeah. Oh, Steven Adams, yeah. And all you said was that guy, that body's going to play ten years in the NBA. Yes. How'd you know? Because he had the body and he was reasonably coordinated. And when you've got that size, <laughs> he was and meaty and girthy. He he wasn't you know he didn't have a great skill set in any particular area, but he he looked very coachable. Yep, reasonably coordinated. Yes, I'm going to remember that. That was now I'll accept that. Because I just remember thinking, that guy's horrible. But he was reasonably coordinated skills. All right. And when, when with the second pick in the NBA draft, they take Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, I look and go, got to have Jim McElvain on, Dr. McElvain, because I told anybody, whenever you're drafted a big guy, you or considering you better call Jim McElvain. Have any NBA teams started calling you as a result of my suggestion? Uh Shockingly, no. Damn. <laughs> wow. I thought they well, would have. All right. Do they know you moved to 94.5? Maybe they're still tuning in on the AM side. I, no, this is conversations that I have with them. I, there are probably five people in the NBA that I talked to or known or whatever, and I told all five of them, and not one called you. Well, all right, that figures. But now we get to find out. Chet Holmgren, all right? What do you see in terms of would you have tra- taken him in that early in the first round? Because clearly, Dr. McIlvain looks at a big guy's body. Take it away, Doc. Well, I don't know what the team's needs were and what the, the other 
like talent in the draft was by comparison, but I watched him play at Gonzaga. Did I say that correctly? I can never remember if I say it right it's or close not. Close enough but, for this show. Yeah, I enjoyed watching him play. It's a different game now, and it's more outside oriented. And yeah, uh, and with big guys, I would always worry more about a, he- a guy on the heavier end of things, like a Luther Wright from Seton Hall, and and guys that are on the thinner end of things. Um, you, you don't worry about them as much. Kevin Garnett would certainly be one of them. And so his body type is, is thin right now. I think he'll add weight. I don't think he'll add a bunch. You know, he'll be like Durant probably at some point, maybe probably not as good as Durant, but um, I'm, you know, it's not as physical a game anymore. There's, there's not 300 pound aircraft carriers as Al used to call them getting ready to lay somebody out when they come into the lane or, or beat you up for 48 minutes. So I think he'll be fine. So you would have you would have given a thumbs up. Yeah, Chad absolutely. Hall. All right. Uh, now we get to contracts in the forty-seven million that Russell Westbrook is getting. And whenever there's a question of a contract, you're the first person I think of. And we don't even have an agreement on how you decide if a contract is good or bad. Uh, and I know you'd like Tony's before mine. Uh, Hall of Famer, tell Mac what your standard is. Uh, Vadova was a stupid one uh, for a contract. Uh, you mean a bad contract? Correct, a bad. Yeah, we contract. had we had the list of uh, worst contracts and Pebbles reading them off, and I'm just like, I'm not agreeing with these. These are these are good players, and yeah, they're making some big money, but they're still good players. Mine, you got to be a bad player, and then you're making money. So I had guys like the Delavadova contract that the Bucks gave them. Uh, the Larry Sanders, the Dan Gadzariches, those those are bad contracts in my opinion. Not good players making what you think is uh, too much money for them, or what Homer thinks, I should say. And Mac, anything you would add to your belief on that subject? Um, I, you know, it's, it's supply and demand. By the time I heard somebody on, tw- well, I read somebody on Twitter the other day get upset at the. NBA basketball, the, the Retired Basketball Players Association, the Legends of Basketball, because a legend had passed away, and they said, you know, join us and, you know, thoughts and prayers for this Bob legend Lanier, who passed. Yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, a, a Hall of Famer type legend, oh, but okay. somebody responded and said, you know, stop using the le- word legend all the time. These people aren't all legends. But, but the reality is, by the time you get to the NBA – I mean, there's more people who climb Mount Everest every year than have ever played in the NBA. And there's millions and millions and millions of people who play basketball, but the herd thins considerably when you get to the very top. So, you know, good contract or bad contract, they're, they're all basketball legends for just making it into the big show. And uh, at that point, for me, you know, and I would probably fall somewhere on, on the list of worst contracts of all time and, and a bad contract and maybe in Tony's estimation – um, it's supply and demand, and there's there's a finite number of people uh, in the world. Right, hold on, let's get to that. I have I have good news and bad news for you. Uh, <laughs> okay. The the good news is that you're I that you're at uh, Pebble. What was it? Number sixteen. It was sixteen. Yeah, the top twenty five of the worst contracts. All right, so I'm moving down the list. That's what I'm saying. The good yeah. news is the money's that you bigger, used to be why. you used to be as high as three or four when I checked, and now uh, do you feel any better at 16? 
Uh, I bring this up because, again, Tony will say I didn't say it, but I remember asking you the first time, and you said uh, the degree of, like, what? Did, what? Did, how was it getting, you know, for people saying you had the worst contract ever, and you go, if someone's going to have it, might as well be me. Yeah, that's that's the list you want to be on. You don't want to be on the list of most <laughs> underpaid players of all time, Scotty Pippen, you know, at the top of the list for mistakes that agents and players made in negotiations and signing deals. Now, Tony, you're not going to be happy about this, but don't be mad at Mac. You promise you won't be mad at Mac? Me? Yeah. No. Yeah, you're not going to be happy. Why would I be mad if at you, Mac? If you know this, but Jim McElvain, I think I'm accurate, and again, that's why you're on, you gave money back to the New Jersey Nets. You were guaranteed a certain amount of money, and you gave them that money back. Is that accurate? That, that's accurate. They offered me a buyout, which meant I would give up I think it was around $4 million, and and I accepted it. What? Tony Smith, I don't believe you would Gave F- away $4 million? There you go. I did. Tony, I did, yeah. Yep. <laughs> wow. Scott, yeah, I felt that's, it was, that's, a, that's a rich guy giving away $4 well, million. You know, when, honestly, when, when I signed the contract I don't, think I, I, don't I, signed, think I think I made $4 million. It turns into Monopoly money, and you just want to win a championship. And... And I understand that mentality, and the Nets wanted to win a championship, and they got really close, but they wanted to go in a different direction that didn't involve me, and I didn't want to stand in their way. And I saw what happens when guys do, because I played with guys on other teams who were you know, at the end of contracts that had ballooned or had big payments on them. The team didn't want them around. It was bad chemistry in the locker room, and it was just it was a – angry player being there. Mac, if you don't want me around, you got to pay me not to be around. And they did. They paid me not to be around. They just didn't pay me everything well, to not be around. Well, that's my point. You already guaranteed something. They didn't give you anything. They took away. Make them pay to get rid of you. Hey. Hey. Uh, uh, Tony, there wives, is, is wives, correct. Wives getting divorced around America do it all the time. Tony, there is no way you would have ever. Not, you know, you got to pay me yeah. extra to leave. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now was uh, Grinker still your age at that time, or had he passed away? He had passed. He probably would not have let me do that. Yeah, I mean, I, at minimum, I, you got to pay me what you owe me. You're not getting a discount for getting rid of me. <laughs> yeah, Grinker, Grinker would have made him pay full boat, or had, he would have lined up a trade and had me sent to another team somewhere. Uh, for those who don't know, this is for old people, but uh, Grinker was very close in the agent for – Bob Huggins, and Mac, you have probably uh, the most positive thoughts about Bob Huggins of anybody associated with Marquette, and part of it is because you knew of him better than anybody else. Yeah, I think Kevin O'Neill probably would be in that same camp as me, and uh, he he treated me like one of his own players Um, as soon as my eligibility was up at Marquette, and I started working out in Cincinnati. Whatever I needed, they rolled out the red carpet. Their strength and conditioning coach worked with me. Their trainer worked with me. I, I rolled my ankle on Manute Bull's foot and ended up in a cast and missed training camp my, my rookie year. Um, and they changed my cast out. For, their team doctor changed my cast out for me. They were fantastic. They, they couldn't have been nicer throughout my career down in Cincinnati, and, and I've always appreciated that about them. And you claim that Huggins changed after Grinker passed away, or I'm not saying better or worse. 
Yeah, I feel like he did. I mean, obviously he's done okay. He's one of the winningest coaches ever in college basketball, but um, it seemed, you know, he had some, some issues and some things pop up that it seemed like the presence of Mr. Grinker kept that at bay. He was very much, I think, a father figure to Coach Huggins, and and he didn't dare step out of line because it would, you know, be like, why are you doing this to me? You know, never mind to yourself. You know, I stick my neck out for you. I defend you. I, I put you in this great position. Don't do that to me and your family and all these other people. And I think Huggins was was in really good shape when Mr. Grinker was around. Talking with the one and only Jim McElvain, the Renaissance man. I call him that because there's always something going on that he will add additional information about. And the latest, apparently, is your view on the big house, which, of course, that is for years has been the name for the University of Michigan athletic facility uh, for football. And you claim that that's not so. Well, it can be. And Chris Cotton, my boss's boss at, at Clarios and, and Glendale, will for sure tell you that Michigan is the only big house. But there's also another one in Crandon, Wisconsin, where they do off-road racing twice a year. The Forest County Potawatomi Way. I, I was at it last weekend for the, the uh, Forest County Potawatomi uh, brush run. And then they're going to have another even bigger one on Labor Day weekend. I don't even know how many people are going to show up for that one. 50 or 60,000 people. It's crazy. And they used to have this off-road racing series that was predominantly out west, mostly California, Arizona, Utah, areas like that. And it shut down. And there's a championship off-road racing series in the Midwest, mostly tracks in northern Wisconsin. Crandon's one of them. Um, and they've got some in the UP and Minnesota. And all these California and Arizona teams, some of the guys have actually moved to Wisconsin. Um, other teams have bought properties in Wisconsin, and they spend three to six months of the year in Wisconsin. And they race this series around the Midwest. Anago has one of the tracks, and, and it's, it's actually really good off-road short course racing, which means it's like an enclosed track, not like the Baja 1000 where they're going down, you know, a 1,000 miles of snowmobile trails or something. It's, it's like an enclosed course, road course, with jumps in it, and the trucks are flying through the air, and they got ATVs doing the same thing. It's, it's very cool stuff. So I was up uh, in Crandon last weekend checking that out. All right, last question. Do you regret not having Tony Smith as your agent because you would have, uh, I don't know, $4 million, a little He'd get his whatever percent, and you'd have gotten. You'd have he'd more have extra, money. He'd, to, extra, he'd have an extra 2.5 at the end of the day in his pocket. That's a big cut, one point five out of four million. No, me. I'm talking about that's taxes. That's everybody oh, else. Yeah. Not me. That's not me. Yeah, it. You know, it, again, it's like Tony says. It's rich guys doing stuff, but it, the quality of life and you know being miserable for two years out of your life. I don't. I don't know what price you put on that, but I, I wanted to see the Nets do well, and and they didn't want me to be a part of it, and and I respected that, and and they could have dealt with me a lot differently. They, they could have kept me around and tried to run me off, and I've watched teams do that, and I'm sure Tony's watched teams do that, and, and it's, it's not a great situation. So I just I didn't, we got I didn't a want to avoid that. We got a T-shirt for him, Tony. For who? Quality of life is worth $4 million, or maybe <laughs> 2.5. No, he, he, his own T-shirt. Mac, what's your life? Do you have a one phrase or statement that's a life philosophy? I don't. I don't know if I do. Wait, here's uh, uh, play mine for here's here's mine, Mac. What's going to go on my life T-shirt? I don't have to do nothing but stay black and die. 
That's a good one. That's right. That's it. That's all I got to do. And they, they believe mine should be, oh, baby. But yep. I'd like, I'll, I'd I'll like say, something don't worry a little about what deeper. you can't control. What? He says, don't, don't worry, about, worry about what you can't control. There you go. And now let's give, let's let Mac hear Pebbles t-shirt uh mine is i don't have any goals i just live every day for what it is i don't have any goals listen to this kid you're gonna go places like where locally locally in milwaukee you're gonna go different places for the rest of your life apparently All so right. he's gonna just you know supermarket restaurants places yeah. you know right yeah he's just gonna live yeah that's fine yeah worst see? place to live Pebble, did you hear that? That's fine. Yeah. I give you a thumbs up. Mac gives you a thumbs like up. Mr. Rules does Mr. It. Rules hates it. Because <laughs> it's brutal. That's why. <laughs> Mac, thanks. Well, we'll do it again. Hey, Judge Smale said it. The world needs ditch diggers, too. That's right. All right. Jim McElvain, the one and only. I don't know what's next. It won't be as good.